Would you please turn to Ephesians and to page 1177 in your Bibles? The last verses of Ephesians often get uh, lost amidst the armour. So it seemed sensible to me just to pick them out and uh, focus on those as a, a rounding off to our series that's been in Ephesians for quite a few months now. And at the very end, in that last verse, Paul says, Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Well, I wonder what the state of your love is. Uh, presumably, you're busy like everyone else this time of year, and presumably you had to join in with a whole heart as we came to our confession uh, a moment or two ago. We recognize that our love is not actually undying. There's also that problem that maybe it's more acute for uh, us men, that how do we say to Jesus, I love you? You know those slightly wet songs? They they were kind of particularly choice in in the 1970s, um, where we were invited to sing to very soft and gentle melodies how much we loved the Lord Jesus. And some of us did it because we thought we probably should and with slightly gritted teeth, but we did it. But what does it mean to love the Lord Jesus? To love him in a way that's undying, to love him in a way that enables us fearlessly to make known the mystery of the gospel to others, which is what Paul prays for in verse 19. Well, from the gospel reading that Maurice just read for us, we know a great deal about what love looks like. Jesus says, I love the Father and do what he has commanded. That means it's the same thing. It's not, I love the Father over here, oh, and by by the way, separately, I do what he's commanded. No, they're the same thing. To love the Father is to do what the Father has commanded. So to love Jesus is to do what he says. And as Paul says says his farewells, he tells them what Tychicus is going to them with, with this letter, we come to verse 23. Paul prays peace, much of Ephesians, has been on making peace between Jew and Gentile. And he prays love with faith. It's like the odd phrase. The source of that is clearly uh, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not love and faith towards them, but from them, he says. But where does faith from them flow to? So the only way I can make sense of that is to say, uh, to summarize that verse, is to say, to the brothers, peace. And the kind of love that springs from faith, a love that flows from the Father and the Son in whom we have faith. And then this prayer in verse 24, for the dynamic without which peace is impossible, for the animating principle that according to chapter 2 lies behind the, the, the peace that God has established, grace, the grace that means the difference between death and new life. And upon whom is that grace prayed? All those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Now, is that going to be simply a feeling of love, an emotion of love, 
Well, we know it isn't just that. We can remember John 14. I love the Father and do what he says. To love the Lord Jesus Christ is to do what he says in just the way that we haven't done this week. But doing what he says isn't just a matter of a specific command that's obeyed, do this. After all, it's do what he says, and he is God's word made flesh. So it seemed wise to me to meditate on this kind of undying love by bringing into review all the previous chapters that we've had. Each one of them tells us something about the love that we're to show for Jesus. And because those things are different, I'm just going to use a PowerPoint, courtesy of Andrew, uh, to bring it up in front of us. It's going to be a, a fast ride through Ephesians. First, in chapter 1, love is to appreciate who Jesus is. In all his cosmic glory as the one raised from death, far above all rule and authority, the one in whom we ourselves are chosen before the creation. Chapter 2. To love is to believe what God has done in the blood of Jesus. In sheer grace, he has raised us to life from death, raised us to live in peace with one another. Chapter 3. To love is to grasp the glory of the church, of being brothers and sisters together, powerfully rooted in God's love, and astounding the universe with the power of reconciliation in action. Chapter 4, to love is to serve the church with all our diversity, so that we may be built up into the one body in maturity and fullness. Chapter 5, to love is to be filled every day by the Spirit of God in increasing purity of heart and determination of will. Then that bit that's a, a bit of chapter 5 and a bit of chapter 6, love, uh, to love is to work out in practicalities of daily life what submitting to Jesus as Lord, looks like. It means submitting to one another. And then in chapter 6, love is struggling in God's power against the powers of a dark world, against all that would sap our confidence in what God has done. Having said all which, and in summary, what that is is simply saying that love is more than a feeling. It isn't less than a feeling. It would be possible to appreciate, to believe, to grasp, to serve, and certainly to work without actually doing these things out of love. And if proof were needed of that, then proof is found in another major place where Ephesus gets a mention. Would you please turn to page 1234? Revelation chapter 2. We have spent months on what Paul has said to the Ephesian church, but now let's look at what Jesus says to them himself in person. Chapter 2 and verse 4. I hold this against you. 
you have forsaken your first love. Grace to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Those are the last words of Paul to Ephesus. And Jesus says to them, you've forsaken your first love. Yes, according to verse 2, yes, you work hard. Yes, you've persevered. But it is clearly all marked by a spirit of rigid, fierce, grim work. How often have we heard from visiting mission partners stories that lead us to admire the spirit of the church in some persecuted place in the world, China or wherever. But let's remember that hardship does not always lead to glory. Pressure does not always make diamonds out of coal dust. If you want to know what that looks like, then talk to the chambers and their lament frequently for the the state of the church in Indonesia. There are places that have endured hardships and have not grown weary, like Ephesus, but they have lost their first love. So love looks like these things, but it is possible to turn them on their heads and without that heart emotion to see them wither away. And so you can go through all that we noticed before in those chapters and find a kind of sad twist to it. When we forget who Jesus is, we put him in a nice, neat box of our own devising, even a pretty Christmas box with wrapping on it. We won't let him be the King of glory. When we won't believe in the grace of his blood, we normally end up believing in ourselves and we work hard to show it. When we forget that we're in this together as the church of God in God's purposes, we start to dwell on our differences and divisions. When we will not serve, we neglect the wonder of what Jesus has done to give even you and me, even you and me, his gifts from on high. When we fail to depend on the renewing of Christ's spirit, it's normally because we can manage just as well without the idea of his spirit anyway, or so we think. When we won't submit to one another, what? Well, I'm intrigued by that. Because back in Ephesians, Paul doesn't argue that we should submit, because if we don't, we'll end up domineering over each other. He's much more brutal. But in its own way, it's quite subtle and true to life. He says, don't get drunk. Of course, some of us do deal, have to deal with overbearing people in our family or our workplace. We can be those overbearing people. But more fitting to Paul's observation are those among the crowds on Prince of Wales Road on a Saturday night who are there simply to get drunk. In their hearts, they long, and actually all of us do, for a way of being human, a way of loving and 
being loved. But they find it in one direction. And they simply haven't tried, why would they? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we neglect the Lord's armor, finally, it's not necessarily because we neglect the struggle. It's more often that we carry on the struggle, but we think we can do it alone, without prayer, without the truth of Scripture, without confidence in the gospel of salvation to guide us. The love of the Ephesians died away. And yet, Paul had promised grace to those who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. It's worth remembering that there are these solemn stories in Scripture to remind us with a kind of warning quality. Just because you've got Ephesians, just because you've listened, just because you've been here, does not mean that you will leave here loving the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. But Paul has said all he can say. In these verses, he's summing up what he's already said. He's not saying a new thing that needs illustrating, a new thing that needs applying. He's done all of that. But he's perhaps crystallizing it. Love is all that he's said in chapters 1 through to 6. All these things and more. But it is also the feeling, the emotion, the sense in the heart and the will that we will keep going out of love. It's a feeling, it's not slushy or wet, any more than Jesus' love for me is slushy or wet. He can look me in the eye until I bow my head in shame for my sin and say to me, I love you. I am rich in mercy, and you were created in me to live and to do good. And if that's what his love is for me and for you, then how can we say to him anything other than, I love you? How can we do anything other than be on our knees every morning, every day, saying, I love you. Give me that grace, I beg of you. Give me that grace to love you with an undying love. Let's pray. Lord, we know um, the state of our own hearts. We know the state of our own hearts over time, and we know that there have been times when our love for you has grown cold. Truth is, we may be here this morning, and actually right now this morning we don't know the state of our own hearts. Our love for you may have grown cold and we haven't noticed yet. 
But as we come to the end of this letter, and we recognize all that you have done for us in creation, in salvation, in promise of life to come, we hear those last words of St. Paul. And we know that we cannot set out from here to love you with an undying love and think that that's just something we do. We know that we desperately need that grace to live in the love that will never die. How we plead before you for that love. And as so many other things around us fade and die away, we ask that that love, unlike for the church in Ephesus, that love for us may never die. Amen.